Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Wes, and um, I'm one of the people here at the church. Uh, I also help oversee uh, life groups and communion. And um, I have one question. Who is really excited for pumpkin spice season? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I've got work to do. Okay. Um, I am a big uh, pumpkin spice latte advocate, and uh, my... I, I have been feeling like my calling in life is to create a safe space for men to come clean about their <laughs> secret desires for uh, and love for pumpkin spice, so be on the lookout for that. Um, but you're, you're finding me at the end of a very, very busy week, if I'm just being transparent and honest this morning. Uh, one that involved sermon prep, uh, final evaluations for my residency program at the hospital I work at, packing our, house, uh, our apartment, moving up from our apartment yesterday, all of which had to be done by my pregnant wife and amazing group of friends who helped out because I had to work a 12-hour shift. I, I swear I did not plan it. I, it just happened like that. Um, but that's all to say that if I fall asleep while I'm up here, I trust the Spirit to lead you wherever He wishes. Um, but I am warning you that... Uh, I also felt that when I was writing my sermon at six o'clock this morning, I did find myself getting really passionate, and I don't know if it was tiredness or the spirit. So I think I've got a pretty good sermon this morning, and I'm excited about it, so I'm just letting you know. Um, and I did find myself thinking while I was writing the sermon, you better preach, Wesley. So I welcome that this morning from all of you, if you feel so led. Um, but this morning, I have the honor of preaching on one of our core values, um, one of our four core values, and I'm preaching on community. This whole month of September, we'll be spending time in each of our values, and um, as well as our vision and mission as a church. And for those of you who don't know, our four values as a church is um, experiencing the presence of God, being in community, being formed in community, and then also going on mission as a community. And that means everything we do as a church, we're aiming to actually embody these four values. Um, four values so that they actually become tangible in the culture of our church. As a movement, the Vineyard has always emphasized the fact that we need to practice what we preach. And what that means is that it's never enough to just tell people to pray for one another, but actually we embody it and then show people how we pray for one another. And that means we want to embody these values so that they be become a part of who we are as a community and as individuals. Our hope is that people will find a church where they're invited to worship God like we did this morning with all our hearts as well as be able to receive prayer. Our hope is that people will find a community where they belong and they get the feeling like they're home, where they can be formed and equipped to be part of our mission to partner with God to see Vancouver renewed. So our vision as a church is just that. Our vision is to be a church that's empowered by the Spirit for a purpose, to practice and proclaim the kingdom of God for the renewal of Vancouver. All together now. I'm just joking. Um, this is from Marshall's sermon last week that really also embodies this. He said that we want to see ordinary people filled with the Spirit so that their lives would be transformed by Jesus to be equipped 
and to proclaim and demonstrate God's kingdom and his love for our local community. Talking about Marshall's sermon last week, he kicked us off with, honestly, I said this to him, I texted to him later, that it was one of the best vision casting sermons I've ever heard. And I grew, I literally was born in the church. Um, anyone here last week, hands, show of hands, who was here? Okay. If you weren't here, I really encourage you to go and listen to it. And um, it, he did such a great job of just laying a landscape of where we are as a church right now and where we're wanting to head to. Um, but one of the things that really stood out for me was just him talking about how COVID changed us so much as a church and how so many people left the church. But now in the wake of COVID, how many new people have joined and how many people we've got from different backgrounds, cultures, races, languages that are being spoken. And how it reminded him how, of how the destruction of the island of Krakatoa, Krakatoa was devastated in the most violent um, volcano eruption in recorded history. But since then, it's been made into a national park and some, um, I, I was re researching this online and some really astonishing things have happened since. Um, it's uh, seen the endangered um, Javan rhinos that have actually seen given birth to 14 more rhinos. It's also to the home to 57 rare plant species, 35 mammal species, 72 rare reptiles, and 240 kinds of birds. And I don't think a better situation could epitomize the phrase, a beauty from ashes, as much as the story. But Marshall went on to say of how we are in this place as a church where we are embracing what God has before us while not forgetting where we came from. Quoting the line from the worship song that we often sing, take this vineyard, God, take this vineyard you've planted and make us new wine. And just as the island is still the island of Krakatoa, it stepped into a new story and it looks different than what it used to. The island is now called a new name. It has a different function and looks very different to what it did, but it still has the same soil and ground that's always been there. The ground still makes up part of what the island is today and it has me thinking about what this means for us, but also it has me thinking about the first community in Acts. And this morning, I want to read from Acts 2, 42 to 47, and it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possession and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Let's pray together. God, I want to acknowledge the presence that you have already with us this morning. 
I want to acknowledge that you are inviting us into the story that you have for us and that's unfolding before us. I pray that you be with us, that you be with me, that kingdom seeds would be planted in our hearts this morning. And I just pray that we carry your light yoke with us this morning, that any burdens that we may carry, that we may replace them with your easy yoke. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So this story of this new community that was forming in Acts, it was one that was that, oh my gosh, this thing is the best thing in the world, and I'm not getting frustrated by this microphone at all, and I'm loving life right now. Okay. (laughs) But this community embraced thousands of years of history with God's people and yet also stepped into their new story that Jesus had called them to. This is a community that was formed on the heels of one of the most disruptive times in Israel's history. Not only did their Messiah die, he descended to hell, was resurrected, and then ascended. And in the midst of that, as if that wasn't enough, and if that wasn't as confusing as all heck, the Spirit then came down and unleashed a whole wind of fire onto these people. A wind of fire that brought people from different tribes and nations, that spoke different languages, people that were enemies with one another, as well as friends, but they were all brought together by the Spirit. And they all experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit. But as the dust settled, we start to see the fruit come up and rise from the ashes. We start to see the beginnings of this community that would go on to change the world and be, the G- and be Jesus' story with his people. So for the rest of this morning, what we're gonna do is I've got one big takeaway for us this morning, and I've got two practices that I think we can learn from this passage that we can go in and um, take with us as we go from here. And then at the end, we're gonna receive communion together and pray together and then sing one last song. Does that sound good to everyone? Does that sound good to everyone? Okay, cool, thanks. (laughs) That was like the the real like climax of like my thing, so that was great. Um, So my one big takeaway this morning is this. The one thing that was true then, that is true now, and that will forever be true is this. Community is necessary, fundamental, essential, imperative, crucial, add whatever more you want to add to it, to being a disciple of Jesus. The primary way we see the church being the church in Acts is a church that is formed as a community. The primary way they practiced and proclaimed the kingdom of God was and in through and through community. From the beginning of time, God created humans to live together in community with him at the center and as Marshall said, in his presence. That was true in Genesis. That was true when Jesus came to be with us. And it is true with him being with us now in the presence of the Spirit and will be true in the end when the heavens and earth combine and we are united 
together with God dwelling with us again. You could argue that God creating a community of people centered on him was his plan then, was his plan now, and forever will be his plan. This is it. This is the end game, folks. And this is so essential, I think it's evident to who we are as humans. As many of you know, I come from South Africa and uh, have the best accents. And South Africa, there is a philosophy or a way of life that is embedded to the culture and its land. And it's this philosophy called Ubuntu. Uh, Nelson Mandela, famous president who was at the forefront of um, uh, changing apartheid. And um, he said this, in Africa, there is a concept known as Ubuntu, the profound sense that we are human only through the humanity of others, that if we are to accomplish anything in this world, it will be in equal measure be due to the work and achievement of others. Desmond Tutu, who was an archbishop in the Anglican Church in South Africa, said this, Ubuntu is not I think, therefore I am, it says rather, I am human because I belong. I participate, I share. Like, and now on a more pastoral note, I just wanna acknowledge that some of us have been burnt by the church and some of us find community really hard. And as someone who had to go away from the church for a period of like five years, I, deeply, I don't think during that time I stopped being a Christian. So if you're someone with us that's joining us this morning and maybe you're attempting to try this community thing, but it's really scary, I just want to say that the church is primarily extending always an invitation and never a demand. And I believe that this is what the church is called to. And so that brings me to my next part. What are the two practices we can leave with from here this morning that we get from what God was doing in the first community in Acts. Well, firstly, I think that God is inviting us to become an invitational church, an invitational community. Invitation is one of the most powerful and life-changing tools that we have as his disciples. It costs nothing, and it can be life-changing for someone. And if you're going, mm, I don't know about that, we're all here today because we were invited by Jesus. Our lives have all coincided to this point today and been changed because of an invitation by Jesus. An invitation by him to follow him and be in community with him. And you could simplify this task that for us to make disciples is, um, is to invite others to be part of our journey of following Jesus. Jesus is not building a closed off community, but a radically open one where he's inviting everyone to pick up their cross and follow him. This community in Acts is what marked by a radical invitation from Jesus to those who were on the outside. Gentiles were not seen as part of God's family and they were not invited to participate in his kingdom up until that point. It was so radical, one of Jesus' right-hand men, Peter, the person Jesus said would pro, Jesus provided the keys to his church and kingdom 
was so rattled by this concept, it took him years to come to terms with. No one had, no one had ever seen anything like this type of community before. Enemies were coming together. Not only were they coming together, but they were selling their positions for one another. I've lost my place. What? Can you imagine? There, now we're back. Well, I hope you can. People that were plotting to kill one another a week ago and now singing, are now singing songs together and sharing food. What? Every single wall that had been placed up until that point to keep people separated were turned into bridges between people and their communities. They were completely dismantled, rebuilt, renewed into places where people could come together. And it was all because of Jesus. Jesus was the person to invite all these people into this ragtag community of misfits that were his. This is what it means to belong to him, like we were singing this morning. This is what it makes, this is what makes the church the most unique community on, on earth. Nowhere else will you find at any given point people from all walks of life, the more seasoned folks, the folks with children, the folks dedicating their lives to singlehood, youth, you name it. There's no other community on earth that you will find the makeup of the church. Nowhere else will you find at any given point People with such different backgrounds, cultures, addictions, giftings, brokenness, economic classes coming together, and not only being friendly one to one another, but laying down their lives for one another. This is the community that Jesus is inviting us into. You better preach, Wesley. That's right. Have you ever experienced the power of an invitation? I have, and that's, that sounds very boastful. Okay, thank, oh, I'm just getting rid of this, I'm sorry. Testing, testing, okay. I have. I experience the power of invitation every time someone thinks of me and invites me over their house and feeds me. Every time thinks, someone thinks of me to have a cup of coffee with them. Every time someone invites me over to do a game night. One of the most powerful invitations I've experienced at this church was a simple one from Jace on a Sunday morning that took him two seconds to do and he probably wasn't even thinking about it. He just said, hey, would you like to be part of our life group? Irene and I may not be here if it wasn't for that invitation. I remember my faith journey as a teenager really started because someone who was two years older than me in my high school was the coolest guy in the school, invited me to his youth group. Invitations are some of the most powerful tools we have as disciples of Jesus that can change people's lives. Okay, second one. We've, invitation, clocked. 
Jesus is calling us to share our lives with one another. Jesus is calling us to be a sharing church. I could write you a list of things growing up about what I wish my parents had done differently. And as a, uh, someone who's going to be a dad soon, I'm already preparing myself for the fact that my child is probably going to be doing the same. But one of the greatest gifts that my parents gave me in my childhood was they created an open house where everyone was invited. At the time, I didn't realize it, but looking back now, I can see how formational it was in my life. Um, my friends were over all the time. We would play FIFA, we would play Call of Duty, we would sit out on the patio, we would drink coffee, and we would drink a lot of water, and we would also write songs together. Heck, there would often be times when I would arrive home to my friends already at my house, eating my food, and sitting outside on the patio. This one time I woke up in the morning, and my friend was sleeping on the couch because he had been out too late the night before and didn't want to drive home. So he walked a mile to my house, and he was just chilling there on my couch. This one time, my friend fell down an embankment half a mile from my house, knocked on my door at 1 o'clock in the morning, and had blood streaming down his body. But he felt like he could come to our house because he didn't know where else to go. I've got other stories, but they're probably not too appropriate for Sunday morning, too. I was 18. Um, Being willing, oh wait, I've lost my place again. <laughs> but I didn't have a choice to share my space. Um, we shared our food, we shared our finances sometimes. But one of the things that I think has proved most pivotal is that I shared experiences with people too. Billy, being willing to share experiences with people where we have no choice but to be authentic with one another is one of the greatest gifts we can give each other. Jesus is inviting us to share our lives with one another, to be weak, to be strong, to be vulnerable, to protect, to serve, to help heal, to provide, to stand up for, to call each other out when needed but to also ask forgiveness when needed and also to apologize and to forgive, to laugh, to cry with one another, to encourage one another, to be patient with one another, to communicate our anger with one another when someone's done something wrong and also to practice loving each other and placing each other before ourselves. I could go on. And I want to end by saying this before we move into communion. Sharing your life in community is probably one of the biggest risks that you can take. And I'm not joking. Because not only are we sharing our possessions and our time with one another, but we're sharing ourselves and who we are too. And that is scary. Being willing to ask for help and then receive it being willing to tell someone when they've angered you or when, they, when um, you've had to admit when you're wrong, 
How many of you find it really easy to admit when you're wrong? I'm, I'm watching you now. That was, a brave, that was a brave hand that you put out there too. Okay, cool. I'm just joking. I, don't, I won't do that. Um, I'm just joking. Um, that can be the hardest thing that we do. But it can be the most transformational thing that we can do. When we share our lives with each other, we reveal the messiness of being human. But it's also the place where we find the beauty of being with Jesus. And we find the beauty of Jesus too. So I've, I've got a list of ways in which if you're here this morning and you're wanting to get plugged into community more, we have amazing spaces to get plugged in. We've got life groups. We've got prayer groups happening every single morning. We've got serving teams. We've got a women's ministry. We've got a men's ministry. We've got a, we do, and it's, watch for that space. We've got a youth group, and is that it? Have we got more? Okay. We've got tons of spaces for all of us to be plugged in, share our lives with one another, serve with one another, learn to love one another, and learn to invite others into our space. If we want to be a church marked by Jesus, we have to be an outward-looking community too. So to end, I've got a testimony, a video testimony that I wanted to share of Josiah and Sierra, a couple who joined our community about a year ago. And um, looking back, I filmed this on Wednesday, and I hadn't written my sermon yet. And you're going to think that I like told them what to say because it lines up with my sermon so well. I promise you I didn't. If anything, they influenced my sermon more than anything. So if we've got that video, I would love to play it. And um, we live in Vancouver, and we've lived here almost a year now. And uh, yeah, we started coming to the vineyard um, last September. My name is Sierra, and we have a little guy He's six months old. His name's Elliot. And yeah, we've been here for a year now. Love it. Um, so you guys are part of a life group. Um, how did you guys get involved in a life group? So yeah, we came to the vineyard in <laughs> September, and we visited some other churches. Okay. Uh, but we, I feel like when we came into the vineyard, we said a sense that from God, like this is where we're supposed to be. And we really didn't hesitate. We kind of just like on... Um, the next week, we got connected to a life group just based on, rep- uh, on a recommendation uh, from someone that said, hey, you should go to this life group. Like, they're, you know, they would be great. They'd love to have you. And so we did. And, um, yeah, that's kind of how we got connected. We just, like, knew that it was uh, really important to just get connected right off the bat. And so we were really grateful we did. And, like, tell me about your experience since, uh, and I only ask because I know that you, you guys have told me how, important like community has been in this season of your life so just like let us into that process on like how that um has just been so important for you guys yeah i feel like sorry no go ahead yeah i feel like in the past we've been a part of really big churches Mm -hmm. and something that we really wanted and were looking for when we moved to vancouver was something that was just smaller and more intimate and when we walked into Vancouver Vineyard, I feel like we had, like when we left, we felt this like, just kind of this weight of like, if we stay here, we are not gonna be able to hide in the back anymore. 
And it was like this amazing feeling, but also this like, like this is this is where we need to be. Like mm. we, we're not called to be going into churches where we like hide in the back and aren't involved. Like we want to be part of this. And um, yeah, there have been just so many. We had um, Elliot back in February and just so many people who we didn't even know at the time just like showed up with like food and meal train and throwing us baby showers on a whim. And like we were just so supported by this church, by people that we didn't even know. And um, it has given us just this like picture of the kingdom that we, I don't think we, we fully um, had seen on earth at the time yet, you know, like what the community should like look like um, and how it should function and how we want to serve others as well. So I feel like we've really grown in that way and just seeing what that looks like and wanting to step into it ourselves. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with all of that. I mean, like, and I think it's been cool because coming out of COVID, we just were in this really dry place communally. And um, just coming to Life Group was just like such, literally like, like the Lord meeting us with like, rivers of living water honestly just those relationships and connections um and like sierra was saying just the opportunity to practice like um just like the one and others of scripture really Mm. was a big deal and continues to be a big deal for us like to this day like um you know life is always messy but i feel like that's the call of jesus on our lives is to do life with other people who also um love him and then also reach out to the people that don't mm-hmm. um in our communities and so our our life group has been that for us this last year that support um literally like just the arms and hands of jesus um yeah it's just been a beautiful thing like we've laughed and cried and like gotten to know each other over meals and um good conversations and prayer mm-hmm. uh and uh it's just that part of church that is so crucial that's like kind of behind the scenes that you don't see on Sunday mornings, but it's really like a really vibrant part and an important part of, of um, what I think church is. What would you say, final question, what would you say to anyone that's like considering joining a life group, but really it's like, what, what you guys were, were like, this might seem really scary to be this involved in this intimate mm-hmm. with people. And um, that seems like a lot and very scary. What would you say to someone who's like in that sort of space? Yeah, I would say just take a step of faith. It's um, it's always going to be a little bit scary, and you don't have to hop fully into something that you're not comfortable with, but this is the most welcoming community that you could ever imagine, and so whatever step you're willing to take in that direction, um, I think just go for it, and uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed, and um, I know God will bless that decision because it's, uh, I think anytime we step into community, he... he um, I don't know. I, I guess I can just speak for for our experience. Mm-hmm. Just taking that little step of like showing up mm-hmm. and getting connected has just, uh, yeah, been, I don't know, an incredible just way the, the Lord's met us this past year. Yeah. Yeah, coming from someone who didn't grow up in the church and is like really was burned growing up and just really sketched out about community, I feel like we've, um, found that Vancouver Vineyard has been a really safe place to mm-hmm. land, um, safe place to, you know, air our thoughts and um, mm-hmm. prayer requests and 
to lean, actually lean on each other without feeling like a burden. Um, yeah, I just, I, I feel like we're finally learning how to be in community and to be community to others. Why don't you stand with me this morning?